is Britt, and I get the privilege of overseeing youth and young adult ministry, and I'm so excited this morning. I'm fired up. I uh, just know God has you here for a reason, and he loves you too much not to speak to you this morning. But before we get into the message and everything, we have something really exciting coming up for youth. And I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't tell y'all about it. We have a QR code that's gonna show up on the screen. And if you have a phone, I want you to scan it. I want you to take it out. Don't be weird. I'm weird, so I don't know why I said that. But uh, we have high school camp happening next week. And I am so, so excited. And if you know a high schooler, if you're a parent of a high schooler, if you are in high school, this is for you. The struggle can be so real during this time of our lives. And I just know God has so much more for this generation. I know he wants to speak to you guys that you're powerful and mighty and a move of God wants to happen at this camp. And so make sure you check that out. It's gonna be amazing. Well, last week, Pastor Brian talked about the fire and the internal presence of God and that when the fire and the wind come, the kingdom of God is built. And I've titled this message, Do It Again, because he talked about revival as well and the spirit of God rising up in people and us moving. And I see that happening in this church. I see people going to the post office, a challenging place to start with, and having spiritual conversations. I see people baptizing patients in hospitals. I see people praying and calling out to God for healing. And so do it again, God. And so we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into the message. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for you. God, thank you that you love these people way more than I ever could. God, and you love us too much not to speak this morning. So I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive. There's something for us, that you are for us. God, and we would just open our hands to whatever you have this morning. I pray I would get out of the way and the spirit of God would just outpour in this place. We want more. Do it again. We ask this in your precious and holy and mighty name, King Jesus. Amen. So, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but on the bottom of your action cards for the past month, we've been basically asking you guys to do the same first three things. Begin a relationship with Jesus. Join a serve team or a small group. And then, Holy Spirit, if there's more, I want it. Pray that dangerous prayer. But what does that mean? And if we pray that prayer, how does that actually change things? So that's what I'm going to be unpacking today and just sitting on. And before we talk about the Holy Spirit, we just, everything comes back to Jesus. And I remember, much like you guys, coming to a church and sitting in a seat, just like you, and I was unsure about Jesus, but Jesus was sure about me. And I sat there, and the gospel was proclaimed. 
that Jesus left heaven and came to earth to die for my sin and my brokenness and my mistakes, and that he wanted a relationship with me. And I sat in a seat, and I just wept. And I was like, God, is this real? And he's like, it's real, and it's for you. And I gave my life to Christ. But that's not the beginning of, or that's not the end of the journey. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of this beautiful journey with Jesus. And so as we talk about the Holy Spirit, what did the Holy Spirit look like in the life of Christ? We see in Scripture, Matthew 3, that when Jesus begins his ministry and he gets baptized, that the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and rests on him. We see in Luke 4, when Jesus goes out into the wilderness to be tempted, that the text says he's full of the Holy Spirit. We see when he gets back from that time, it says that he is now walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, at the inauguration of his ministry, when he goes to the temple to read from the scroll of Isaiah, to say the prophecy that he has come to fulfill, this is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is declaring, this is beginning now. When Peter in Acts starts telling about Jesus in the gospel, Jesus has already ascended to heaven, and he starts telling them the good news. This is what he says about the ministry of Christ. He said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And in Romans 8, we see the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in us. And so Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, and we think we don't. And I got to be honest, guys, I come from a very conservative background where we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. And every time I heard about the Holy Spirit, I would get uncomfortable. I would get awkward and weird, which I already am. <laughs> but I just heard of excess and manipulation. And I don't know what you're walking in here with, what background you're bringing. Maybe you're like, man, I, I, I know all about the Holy Spirit and I see what he's doing. Or maybe you're like me where you're like, I'm not sure. I have some hesitation, I have some baggage, I have some experiences that really shaped and formed how I see the Holy Spirit. And we are all on a journey with this, but as I've been growing and I've been studying and learning who is the Holy Spirit, I've come to the conclusion he's not weird. (laughs) He's heavenly. And when we look at the scriptures to tell us who the Holy Spirit is and and what he does, I'm so encouraged. John 14 says he will be our helper and our advocate forever. That we have a helper. That we don't just have to go through this life alone. And I think sometimes we think we need Jesus to go to heaven. We need Jesus to go to Walmart. (laughs) 
People are messy and broken. I am messy and broken, and I need help to walk through this life. And I love that it says forever, that the Spirit of God is going to be with us, helping, advocating forever. Later on in that chapter, it says, He will guide us in the words of Jesus and teach us all things. Guiding us in scripture, bringing us back to truth when our minds are just filled with lies and temptation and destruction. It says, I'm going to bring to mind the truth and life and hope of Christ. Teach us all things. That means we get to learn. That we don't have to have it all figured out. That we get to walk in step with the spirit of God. He will bear witness to Jesus, John 15 says, and I love this verse. Because there are days where I mess up and I can get so stuck in sin and shame. And this scripture is reminding me that the spirit is going to bear witness that Christ died for that moment. That I don't have to hold on to that. That God has forgiven that and paid for that. And that When I see a lost and hurting and broken people, the spirit inside of me is going to rise up and bear witness. There is hope. There is life. And there is a God who sees the pain that you're walking through and wants to walk with you through it. He's going to bear witness to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3 says we are going to be God's temple. He's going to dwell in us. We no longer have to go to a church or a temple to experience the presence of God. He's with us. And you know what that means? He's with us in the pain. He's with us in the suffering. He's with us in the ugliness and brokenness of life. He's with us in the joys and triumph and victory. But he is with us. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 3, oh, excuse me, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 says he's going to give us gifts. That the Holy Spirit has given you, if you are in Christ, a spiritual gift that's going to build up the body to the fullness of Christ. And I think we think gifts mean speaking on a stage. But when I read scripture, it says there's gifts of faith. Gifts of encouragement, gifts of prayer, gifts of prophecy, gifts of healing, gifts of administration, gifts of hospitality. And we will not experience the fullness of God if you are not operating in your gift. God has given you something to build up the church. And we're not complete. We're not full without you. And so I just want to say, if you are in this room and you don't know your spiritual gift, ask people around you. Man, you're always opening up your home to people. You are so hospitable. When people come in, they receive the arms of Jesus. And then you start operating in that. So powerful. 2 Corinthians 3 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I love this one. And with my background, I just always thought that the Holy Spirit wanted to control me, wanted to take away and suck the fun out of everything. But this text says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And so when you start feeling that pressing on your heart, man, I need to get off my phone. That's not the spirit of God trying to control you. You're already in bondage. You can't go 24 hours without this device. You're enslaved. Don't buy the lie that you're free. Man, God's pressing on me to to just stop drinking. He's doing that because he loves you. You're in bondage. He wants freedom. This is the spirit of the Lord. Acts 1-8 says he will give us power. And I love, I love all the verses, y'all. But I love this verse because when we look at Acts 1-8, they were on their knees praying to God, just saying, God, we want to see you. And we want people to see you. And the power of God gave them boldness to pray, to heal, to preach the gospel, to forgive in an unforgivable situation, to have mercy when everyone else was merciless, to encourage, to help, to care. This is the power of God, and it wasn't just for the apostles in the early church. It's for us now. Romans 8 says, he helps us in our weakness and intercedes for believers with groaning. I love this verse because it says I can be weak. That I don't have to have it all together. That there's the spirit of God who helps me in my weakness. He groans for me. When I don't even know what to say, he is interceding to God on my behalf. Calling out, petitioning. And when I read the text about the Holy Spirit, now I understand why Jesus says, it's better that I go so that you can have the helper. Think about this. This is God in the flesh, and he's preaching the the kingdom of God and healing people, and he says, it's better that I'm not here doing this so you can step in and do it. The presence of God is coming and the kingdom, is gonna, kingdom of God is going to be built not by me, but through you. Amen. And I just, again, want to come back to, we're all coming from different perspectives with the Holy Spirit and what he looks like. But the Holy Spirit always looks like Jesus. Jesus walked by the Spirit. He lived by the Spirit. He was empowered by the Spirit. So if you want to know what the Holy Spirit looks like, it's not chaos, it's not manipulation, it's not excess. He looks like Jesus. And I love what A.W. Tozer says about the Holy Spirit. He says, he is the essence of Jesus imparted to believers. You read the four Gospels and see for yourself how wonderfully calm, pure, sane, simple, sweet, natural, and lovable Jesus was. This is the Spirit of God. And what's his purpose, and and, and how do we have him in our lives? What's that role look like? Well, in Ephesians 1, it says, when you come to faith in Christ, that you are sealed with the Spirit of God, which means salvation is complete. You don't have to do anything to earn it. Jesus has already done it. But then a couple chapters later, Paul says this. He says in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. 
And in the Greek, what this means is be being filled. This is a continue, this is a continuation. This is an ongoing. But to be filled, to be being filled, insinuates that there's room available. To be being filled insinuates that there's actual space. And I'm getting ready to go out of town actually today. There are two types of people in this world. There are the people who pack a week ahead of time and they have room in their suitcase and it's very full and neat and organized. I love you guys. We need you in the world. But then there's me and my suitcase kind of looks like this. And (laughs) there's so much in there. But I think this is a metaphor for our lives. Our suitcases get filled to the brim. And there's so much junk. There's so many things that are unnecessary that just fill the bag and weigh it down. And when you look at your life, when you look at your suitcase, what's it full of? Is it filled with anger and resentment and strife because you had something terrible happen to you, a broken relationship, and you've been putting that in the bag and tossing it in the corner and just hoping it goes, to, goes away? But it's just sitting there, taking up space. Maybe your suitcase is, is full of yourself. We live in a society where we are just so consumed with us our status, our position, our image, and we're so focused on building up our own kingdom that we're missing out on the kingdom of God. And we just have all of this in our luggage and we can't even see Christ. We wonder where he's at. There's no room. There's no space. This is something I just honestly feel convicted of. Our suitcase is so full of busyness. We have no margin. We are going from thing to thing to thing. And we're like, God, where are you? And he's like, your head's so focused and down on the things. You don't even look up above to know I'm with you. I'm walking with you. Another thing our suitcase gets filled of is just comfort. We will binge (laughs) all weekend, filling our mind with fantasy And this isn't an anti-Netflix or anything like that, but we spend so much time consuming content that's irrelevant to our lives. Does it actually change anything? Are you just like, that was a good movie? Or that made me envious of the things I don't have, the relationship I don't have. But we fill our lives just pursuing all of these different things. And we wonder where God is. And the thing about luggage, too, is when it's full, when you're traveling and walking through the suitcase, it's heavy. I know for me, when I pack my bag and I'm just like lugging it around and I just start to get discouraged because I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to carry this for two more days. But some of us, we carry it for a lifetime. I... uh, again, have been on this journey with the Holy Spirit. And uh, this past October, I went to a spiritual deeper life conference by the Alliance. And it's all about the Holy Spirit. 
And at this time, I was just really unsure. And when people, again, would talk about the Holy Spirit, I'd be so uncomfortable and in my head about what should this even look like and how should I react and should I expect God to show up this way or this way? And I just remember being filled with just anxiety about this whole conversation. And so I go to this conference and the speaker is phenomenal. He is bringing the word of God and he does this call at the end and he said, if, if you need to confess if you want prayer, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, if you want more of the presence of God, come forward. And so I come forward, and I open up my hands, and I have these two godly men praying over me. And they're not screaming, they're not yelling, they're speaking life and truth and encouragement over me, and my hands are just open. But I just remember sitting there being so uncomfortable being so in my head of just like, God, is, is this real? And what do I expect? And I was so focused on me and this ends and I go back to my hotel room and this is the visual that God gave me about this. He said, Britt, you think the spirit-filled life is a sponge. You go to a conference and you get filled and then you're poured out to empty when you get back to life. You go to a worship night, and it's amazing, and you get so filled, then you're poured out back to the busyness. You read the Bible, and you get encouraged and inspired, but then you're poured out by messy, broken people. But the thing about a sponge is there is no depth there's no growth and there's no retention. And we treat the Spirit of God like He is a sponge. And when Jesus talks about the Spirit of God, this is what He says in John 7 Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And John expands on this by saying, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. God desires for you to have depth and width and a continuous flowing of his Spirit. It's not a sponge, it's a water hose. But is your life, is your suitcase, is it too full to notice? And maybe you're in here and you're like, Britt, I can't relate to any of that. My life isn't full. It's actually really empty. I love this quote from Tozer about being empty and the space and the availability you have in your life. He says, there is a spiritual loneliness an inner aloneness, an inner place where God brings the seeker. Where he is as lonely as if there were not another member of the church anywhere in the world. Ah, when you come there, there is a darkness of mind. An emptiness of heart, a loneliness of soul. But it is preliminary to daybreak. 
Oh, God, bring us somehow today break. You see, when you have space available, when you are at the end of yourself, when you are empty, there is a God who loves to pour out. There is a God who sees you and wants to fill you. You have to open your hands and receive it. God, I'm empty, but you're not. This is a beautiful place to be, and this is my prayer. God, bring us to daybreak. Bring us to where there's nothing left of us, and so there's abundant room for you. But how do we do this, Britt? That sounds really good, but how do we actually live a spirit-filled life? I want to give you guys three things this morning. The first one is have fresh encounters with God. I love what Pastor Brian said last week. God always shows up, but do you? God's always moving and working, but do you have eyes to actually see it? Are you too full? I don't know if you guys have been watching what's going on at Asbury University. It's so incredible. This group of 15, 20 college students had their regular chapel, and then they just stayed and prayed and worshiped and repented. And this turned into a a movement of people coming and saying, man, I want more of God. They're having a fresh encounter. And I love what someone posted about this. They said, if you need hope for the next generation, this is it. Gen Z is the most unchurched, dechurched generation. They have like a 4% Bible literacy and, and biblical worldview. And like this generation is the most far off from God. And I love this, infer- this quote. It says, if you are skeptical, ask yourself why. There is a spirit of unbelief that is far too persistent in our day. Why couldn't this be God? Isn't it just like him to pour out his spirit on students crying out to him? Isn't he still saving and healing? Why not now? Man, we expect God to show up at church. We expect God to show up at worship. Do you expect God to show up at your house? Do you expect God to show up at your job? They have the expectation that God is showing up. And he's not limited to a place. He wants to show up in your life. But a fresh encounter means you're seeking him. That you're aware that God wants to be with you. And not just in this place. The second thing is fresh encounters always lead to fresh surrender. Again, our lives so quickly get filled. But when's the last time you evaluated, what's in my suitcase? What's the junk that's just taking up so much time in my mind and effort in my heart? And the truth is, God wants to minister to those places. He doesn't want you to deal with those on your own. He's like, bring me into the dark. Bring me into the baggage so I can start to heal and restore and redeem. I recently got super convicted about shopping. I really love to shop. And 
I remember in November, God really started to convict me of this. And he was like, Britt, you are filling a void. You are trying to prove worth and value through things. And typically when God convicts me of something, I kind of go through the five stages of grief. First I'm, ang- first I'm in denial and I'm like, I don't have a problem. I think it's you. I'm, I'm good. And then I, I get angry and I'm like, God, I tithe. I, we give to missions and we're generous people. Like, why is this such a big deal? And then I start to feel grief because I'm like, shoot, there's some baggage in my heart. And, and sadness because I spend all this time wrestling against God, thinking that he's against me, but he's for me. And then acceptance saying, God, you've come to give me a life and a life to the full. I, I want to let this go. And I remember a couple of weeks later going to Target. And this is for a year. I'm allowed to receive gifts, though. My husband knows that. But this is for a year, and I walk into Target, and I'm expecting to just be really sad. I just need, like, Clorox wipes or something like that. And uh, I walk in, and I felt liberated. I was, it was so crazy. I was like, God, I don't feel any pressure to keep up with people, to shop, to have to prove that I'm relevant. I, I felt free. And this surrender, it looks like repentance. And repentance is a really churchy word, and in the Greek what it means is metanoia, which means to change your mind. I think we think repentance is, God, I'm really sorry I messed up, but repentance is, God, change my mind. I thought shopping would give me life, and it just takes so much effort, so much time, so much energy, and I give so much of me to it. Change my mind about this lie. And when we fall in repentance to God, change my mind about what I thought about you. Change my mind about what I thought about this hopeless situation that you're with me and you're for me. And you're moving even though it doesn't feel like it. Change my mind, God, that you're real. Fresh surrender. The third thing is receive the fresh filling and walk in it. And I love what Pastor Brian's been saying. We come with an expectation but no agenda. And I remember at this conference, it was the third day, and they're doing that call again for prayer and confession and and to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I'm sitting in the back, and I'm just wrestling And I'm like, God, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm uncomfortable. But if this is real, I want it. And I'm just praying. And I remember God saying, go up and get filled. But he said, if you go up, Brittany, you have to go up without a reservation with abandonment, expecting that I'm going to show up because I love you too much not to. But you have to get out of your head and stop making this about you and start making it about me. And so I walk up to the front and these two amazing people just start praying over me. And I open up my hands and I just start saying, more God, 
give me more. Give me more. God wants to give you more. And I dropped to my knees because the love that I felt in that moment was so overwhelming I couldn't stand. And then <laughs> I laughed for like 20 minutes because my, my soul was just so delighted. They're doing closing announcements and I'm like chuckling in the corner. <laughs> like, God, you're just so good. But when we pray, Holy Spirit, if there's more, I want it. There is so much more. And guys, when I came back, it wasn't like life was easy. But I came back with the reality that, God, you are real and your spirit inside of me is real. And I walked with a boldness and a fearlessness of man. An endurance that I'm like, God, I feel like I shouldn't be able to keep going, but yet there you are flowing through me like living water. This is the spirit of God. You know, that revival that's going on and awakening in Asbury, they're eventually going to leave that place. But that doesn't mean they leave the presence. You're eventually going to leave here today. You're going to leave this place, but the presence of God doesn't have to leave you. Make space. He is a flowing, living water. Holy Spirit, if there's more, I want it. God, you've been pouring out your spirit on people since the beginning. Do it again. Do it in me. Do it in this church. Do it in this nation. Do it in this world. And let us walk in the boldness and power of Christ. So every week we want to make this real. So we have a few action steps Maybe for you today, it's, it's to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's, it's surrendering who you thought God was and believing he is who he says he is. Someone who loves you. Someone who died for you. Someone who wants to give you life, not just in heaven, but here today. Maybe it's to join a serve team or a small group. Be in community. Or the third one. Pray the dangerous prayer, Holy Spirit, if there's more, I want it. And the last thing is open my hands every day this week to surrender and receive. What would happen if every single morning before our feet hit the floor, we opened up our hands and said, God, what's in the, what's in the luggage? What's in the suitcase? What today is going to be tempted to take my eyes off of you? What's going to be taking up space that you want to fill. And then we just had hands to receive, knowing God loves to pour out his spirit. And as we close, I just want to give God time to speak to you. We've read from his word, and I got to teach the truth of who he is. But I believe he has something personal he wants to say to you. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask you guys to do something uncomfortable. I'm going to ask you to open up your hands and say, God, what's been filling me? 
Or maybe you need to open up your hands and say, God, I'm empty and I want to come without an expectation or without an agenda, without a reservation. Just say, pour it out. Let me receive. But we want to give God time to speak. And the voice of God, it's never full of anger and rage and condemnation. The voice of God is beloved son, beloved daughter. Thank you for letting me into the baggage. Thank you for letting me have space to fill. And so we're just going to open our hands right now, bow our heads, and ask God to speak.